0: Section 11 of G.K. Chesterton in America, a Catholic Review of the Week. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Charles Conover. G.K. Chesterton in America, a Catholic Review of the Week. By G.K. Chesterton If Don Quixote Came Back No one can understand history who does not enjoy anachronism. It is the most human thing in the most human of sciences, the camaraderie of the ages, and a divine indifference to time. Patron saints or heroes defy the zeitgeist, that rickety old pantaloon. Thus, if a ballad speaks of St. Dustin or Robin Hood going to the court of King Arthur, it means not so much that they were alive then as that they are alive still. But this is specially so of the shifting and dateless age of chivalry. It was not so much that knight-errantry was ever done as that other things were done in the spirit of it. Chivalry filled the heads of even unchivalrous people doing unchivalrous things. Much as a vague socialist utopia of health, pure water, and public gardens fills the modern mind in Birmingham, or better say. Though, in mere material fact, the streets smell and the property is tied tighter than a miser's. That glimmering forest emerald or ebony, in which we see the knight-errant wandering, was an enduring background. It was not so much a vanished custom as a permanent possibility. In the same way we find shrewd, ambitious men like Robert Bruce or Henry Bolingbroke, haunted by a crusade on which they never went, so that in all their battlefields there was a strange mirage of Palestine. So in the ballads and romances, we are always finding Saracens and Turkish knights in the most improbable places, comfortably established in Flanders or playing a prolonged visit to the Orkneys. It was the sense that chivalry, the Christian adventure, was everywhere— if only as a potentiality. It is urged in the Bab Ballads, that masterpiece of modern rationalism, that in Turkey, as your pap's aware, red Indians are extremely rare. But if one of the unluckiest of the crusading ships, which had a habit of turning up in the wrong place occasionally, had by a slight miscalculation, struck America and the Red Indians, we may be pretty sure that they would have found some Turks. This chivalric vision was an exaggeration of good and not of bad things on the whole. Still, it was an exaggeration, and therefore became in its time a mere nuisance. The Renaissance, which was an interest in the real world, found its conventional forests as tiresome as tapestries. It broke the beautifully blazoned windows and looked out upon the street. Lawgivers in new and rational politics had no use for the knight-errant, the man who could only champion law by being a sort of outlaw. Real new countries of red and yellow men of gold and silver mountains, were more exciting to the intellect than the Prince of Muscovy delivering the daughter of the King of Ireland. It will not be denied that the breaking point, the point where the modern world broke away laughing from the lost medievalism, the symbolic act and moment, was Don Quixote. Now I want to ask here as clearly as I can what many will think a curious question. I concede at once that Cervantes and his contemporaries were justified in regarding Don Quixote as a more or less lovable lunatic in a world increasingly sane. I want to ask whether, if Don Quixote returned today, with the same wild ways of knight-errantry, it would not rather be the knight-errant that was sensible, and the world all around him that was crazy? The poor knight's mockers were in the mourning of the modern world, for them a more solid science, for them a more subtle statecraft, not merely growing but promising things. It was sane enough in them to say that Caesar and Hannibal were better worth reading about than Amadis of Gaul. That making a gun was as soldiery as breaking a lance. That mere random personal romanticism was more likely to ruin than redress. It was true then. At any rate, it looked true then. It is not true now. It does not even look true to anyone who can open his eyes on that modern, rationalistic world that the Renaissance has founded the rationalistic world has turned out much more irrational than the Dark Ages. The Shavian idolatry of Caesar as the Superman is much more fantastic than the boyish praise of Courage and Amavis of Gaul. The nations have found more nonsense and nightmare in the build of guns than they ever did in the breaking of lances. If a medieval knight, such as the Black Prince, rose from his grave and looked around at our institutions, he would call us more cracked than Don quixote and he would tell the cold truth. Suppose the Black Prince asked what had become of the trade guilds. He would immediately be invited to dinner with the worshipful company of green grocers, which he would find to consist almost entirely of aged and gluttonous colonels Spruce financiers, junior partners in entirely different businesses, and dreary bachelors living on private means. The eye of that Plantagenet would roll over crowds of them without seeing a greengrocer or one who had ever known a greengrocer. He would think such a gathering more grotesque than a gargoyle. Or suppose, as seems more likely, the prince turned his attention to modern knighthood. Suppose he expected Sir Thomas Lipton to watch his armor all night in the chapel of his order. Suppose he attempted to joust with Sir Edward Grey. Suppose he really required Sir Edward Carson to win his spurs. When he really learned what modern knighthood is, he would ask, with great simplicity and violence, why in the name of the devil and St. Dustin we gave a man military rank and hit him with a drawn sword if swords had nothing to do with it. There would be no jest for Cervantes and a knight fighting a barber when so many baser trades are knighted and never fight anyone. But there is a madder element in our world than this mere misfit of names and things. There is real delusion, deeper and darker than poor Quixote's. Take, for example, the most famous of his chivalrous failures, the Affair of the Windmills. Quixote is crazy because he thinks the windmills are alive and evil. Well, we are crazy for the same reason. We also think the windmills are alive and evil. Whenever we talk of machinery demanding this or creating that, whenever we say that it is the fault of machinery or that machinery has come to stay, whenever we talk, as we most madly talk, about industrial clockwork as something that cannot be altered, but about marriage, liberty, or the love of progeny as something that might be altered— we suffer more than the stray delusion of the dawn. We are making mills into ogres, the real old nursery ogres that grind men's bones to make their bread. We are seeing windmills a whirl with our own madness and alive with our own sins. The only difference is a somewhat important one. Don Quixote attacked windmills, but we run away from them. But, above all, the return of Kiotri would be the return of sanity for this reason, that the knight-errant is suited to a lawless age, and this is a lawless age. Take another of the misadventures of the misguided Spaniard. If I remember right, he attempts to free a gang of convicts under the impression that they were captive youths and maidens led away by bandits. Now, what is the real implication of this rationalistic satire? What is the difference between the convict in a gang and the captives in a bandit's castle? Cervantes knew too much of life not to know that there are good men among convicts and bad men among wardens, and that bandits do not confine themselves to capturing virtuous persons. Convicts are not mere captives, because convicts are convict, that is, convicted of something and sentenced to something. The point of the incident is the folly of casual justice compared with the possibilities of systematic public justice that can really clear up quarrels and fix public penalties. A man sent to prison may serve a long and cruel sentence— But a legal sentence is like a grammatical sentence. It should have a full stop. Even if you hang a man, you cannot extend his sentence. A man captured by bandits might, in comparison, have quite a pleasant time. Certainly, I would much rather live in a cave with Rob Roy than in a reformatory with a lot of police doctors and detectives. There is only one objection to being in a cave with Rob Roy, and that is that he keeps you there as long as he likes. There is the same objection to make of the modern prisons. If Don Quixote stormed a modern jail with shield and spear, he would be apt to find a number of citizens kept there exactly as his own romantic robbers would keep them, under intermittent sentence, and according to their own taste and fancy. Quixote's attempts to avenge personally a purely personal apprehensure would not be inappropriate now. By the Roman law of old Spain and Europe, he made a mistake. In modern England or America, he would be making no mistake. End of Section 11